Praise God. Well, let's look at Ephesians 4, verse 7. We, we um, started a series some time ago uh, called The Role of a Pastor, and we're going to continue in that this morning. Ephesians 4, verse 7. If you, if you missed any of those messages, I believe this is the fourth one, uh, you can go back and they're in a number of places, YouTube, our website, Facebook, uh, podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You can go back and, and listen because we are covering certain things on each one we're building, but we'll recap and go forward so you'll be good for today, but it'll, it'll be good to go back to those. Verse 7 says, but to each one of us, grace was given. Grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. In verse 11, skip down to verse 11, says, he, gave, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints. That's us. That's Christian. When it says saints, it's not a super class of saints. The Bible just calls Christians saints. In a number of places, it says to the saints that are in such and such a city, talking about the church. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ... Verse 13, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. To a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ." So this is the purpose. We've gone over this some. This is the purpose for the giving of these gifts, which he said were apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, so that we would be equipped, so that the body of Christ would be edified or built up, so that we shouldn't be children tossed to and fro, blown around, but that we would grow up and be strong. Verse 15 says, But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head. So we're going to come back to that in a moment. But, you know, we've been talking about the different ways some of these things happen. Let's look just briefly. We're just recapping. John 10, 11. Let's just go to John 10, 11. It says, Jesus speaking, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. So he's the shepherd. Jesus is the shepherd of his church, his, his sheep. Hebrews 13, 20. These are all scriptures we went over. And of course, if you go to our website, all the scriptures that we use, they're available there in a PDF and a Word doc format. So you can always download them. You know, you can take notes, but, you know, all the scriptures are going to be available there for you um, in those forms just for your convenience and for whatever helps you to study or recap or whatever. Hebrews 13, 20 says, Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead, that great shepherd... Of the sheep. So it calls Jesus the great shepherd of the sheep. We read in John uh, 10 11, it says, He said, I am the good shepherd. In 1 Peter 5 4, it calls him the chief shepherd. It says, When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of glory that does not fade away. So Jesus is the shepherd of his sheep. He's the one that's looking over his church, talking about the church universal in the earth. So he's the head. Jesus is God. So God is looking over his church, and he is the one that's shepherding each of us through life, if we'll look to him. Again, to the degree we give him access, 
you know, if we go off uh, out into other fields and we're running away from him, he's doing everything. He's still there. He loves us. But, you know, and he'll be there if we come back. But, you know, you know, if, if somebody's trying to help you, you don't want to run away from him. You know, somebody's trying to give you money or something and you're running in the opposite direction. Somebody's trying to serve you a meal and you're like, well, I'm going outside. That does, they can't help you. You've got to come back. So he is the shepherd. He's looking over all his flock and he's the one that ultimately is guiding us and leading us in our lives. Let's look at 1 Peter 5, 4, or 5, uh, 1. Because we're just recapping some of this. Um, It says, The elders who are among you I exhort, I whom a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. When it talks about elders, it's talking about these fivefold gifts that we read in Ephesians, which includes pastors. It says, I who am a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, shepherd the flock of God which is among you serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And then this is the verse we just read. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of glory that does not fade away. So go back to verse 2. He's saying to the overseers, to, he's talking specifically to, to shepherds because he's talking about the flock, or to pastors, he's talking about the flock that's with you. But he says, shepherd the flock of God which is among you. So we know Jesus is the true shepherd. He's the overseer. But on earth, there are what we would call under shepherds that represent him that are doing what would he would do if he were here. Now we have, through, through the Lord Jesus, we have a relationship with him. There is no man in the new covenant that stands between you and God. Okay, there is no priest. You don't need to go to somebody to get to God. Okay, so that, that's not what a pastor is. You know, some religions will make that. Well, you have to come through a man to go to God. No, no. You have direct relationship with the Lord Jesus. But he has placed, it said he gave gifts. He put people... Men and women anointed him with his spirit to stand in, in, in uh, offices that represent him, that allow him to do his work on the earth. And when we're talking about pastor, to, do, to help what he would do if, as the great shepherd, as the chief shepherd, as the good shepherd on earth, his representatives, to do that part on the earth. In other words, to help people in their journey here on the earth. That's what the Bible, that's what we've been talking about. That's what the Bible says. You don't choose this in and of yourself. You don't say, oh, that sounds good. I'll be one of those. God calls and he equips. So it's him doing it. See, with everything that's going on in the earth in his body, we need to be careful to keep in mind it's him. It's all about the Lord and anything we do ought to be as unto him and ought to be in cooperation with him because he's actually doing it through us. What he's doing, he want, he's doing it through his body. It's not like, ooh, I have this ministry, or I have this ability, or I have this business. As a, as a, a Christian, we ought to say, everything I have is the Lord's. I'm doing whatever he tells me to do, I'm going to do that. I'm his representative. Then he is able to work and do his work, and then he gets all the glory. Amen? So here it's saying, verse 2, shepherd the flock of God which is among you. Well, we know Jesus is the shepherd, but he's telling, you know, Peter here is saying, you are shepherding. Well, it's not the person. The person is used, but ultimately it's in submission and with the authority of 
the true shepherd. It says, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willing. That means not just saying, well, twist my arm, but because you, you lay down your will, you want to. Uh, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. So it's not a dictator. It's not an authority over people in and of itself. It's an authority delegated by the chief shepherd. That's the authority you're operating in. And so it ultimately is him. It's, it's not for a person over a person. So let's go back to Ephesians 4. Let's just skip down to verse 15. So we've talked about different ta- thing, aspects in general. Again, if you didn't listen to those, go back and listen. But talk about uh, the responsibility to lead and to feed, feed the Word of God. We talked last week about protection, guarding. We're going to touch on that and go into uh, another part this morning. But look at Ephesians 4.15. It says, But speaking the truth in love... Let's go back to um, verse 14, actually. It says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. Speaking the truth in love that we may grow up. How many of us would say, I want to be as mature as I can in Christ? Is that, that should be our goal. I want to grow up. In other words, I don't want to stay immature in any way. I want to grow up. Well, that happens uh, as we yield ourselves to God. We're going to do that. And part of that's facilitated by what we're talking about here. Let's look at... Um, Let's just go, let's read Acts 20, 28, just briefly. We read this before, and then we'll go to Hebrews. But Acts 20, 28, it says, Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God. So notice that, the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church, which we know is, uh, at rep- is representing the Lord Jesus to shepherd the church of God whom he purchased with his blood. So he said, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock. In the Amplified, it says, take care of and be on guard for yourselves and for the whole flock, which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers to shepherd, to tend, to feed, and guide. Talked about that some. The, The church of God which he brought or bought with his blood. So it says, take care and be on guard for for yourselves and for the whole flocks. So we talked about this some um, last week in one vein, to be on guard, there's a protection element with the pastoral office. And it's not always, it's not always, it, it's supernatural always, but it's not just um, necessarily person to person. A lot of it's done by the word and by the spirit. You know, you're, you, you're, you hear something taught in, and inside the spirit of God's just heading something off. You were heading in a direction and something, you know, nothing even being said. It's like between the lines. There's something being preached. The word's coming. The, spirit, the Spirit's speaking to you, and he's giving you a picture of something and saying, don't do that. Push off. Now, God can speak to us. Number one way he leads his children apart. Number one way he leads his children is through the word of God. But aside from the holy word of God, it's by the inward witness, the bearing witness on the inside. 
Well, part of how then that can come about is you're hearing something by the Spirit and it prompts something on the inside of you and shows you don't do that. Or, see, you're, you know, you're starting to hear something and starting to go in a certain direction and maybe there's some doctrine being preached. And, and you, you start to, yeah, I wonder about that, but it's off. And you hear something, the Word corrects you and says, oh, yeah, I'm going to leave that alone. And you start moving in this direction. That's, that's protection. Could save you from untold heartache. And, and again, who's, who's the chief shepherd and the great shepherd and the good shepherd? It's Jesus. Well, he's watching over. He has avenues to get these things to you. If we'll, if we'll make ourselves available, and this is one of those. Again, we, we, we need to have a relationship with him individually and be reading and studying for ourselves. But there's also, he ordained the church and he put these things in place. So if he thought it was a good idea, we would be fools to say, oh, no, I don't need that part. I'll just, I'm good on my, on my own. That's foolish. If, if God himself said, I'm giving you this, so you're built up, so you're edified, so you are mature, and we say, don't need it, what are we doing? We're telling the chief we don't need it? No, that, that, obviously nobody in the right mind would do that, but it's subtle. We can get pushed off if we're not careful. Let's look at Hebrews 13, 17. Again, we read this, just kind of goes, what we're talking about today goes a little bit with these things, so I'm um, kind of segueing. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, that they would be, uh, for that would be unprofitable for you. Notice that second part of that, or the, the second uh, right after the comma, the first sentence. For they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let's look at it in the Amplified. It says, Obey your spiritual leaders and submit to them, recognizing their authority over you. For they are keeping watch over your souls and continually guarding your spiritual welfare as those who will give an account of their stewardship of you. Then it says, let them do this with joy and not with grief and groans, for this would be of no benefit to you. But notice that, that first part. It says, for they are keeping watch over your souls and continually guarding your spiritual welfare as those who will give an account of their stewardship for you, uh, of you. So this is saying that those who are serving in these roles will give an account to the chief shepherd of how they, how they treated that stewardship over people. In other words, if there's certain things that a person needs or uh, that, that, a per, that an overseer or a pastor is being prompted to give or do and fails to do it, we're going to give an account to Jesus. You know, if, if we were to supposed to say something to somebody or, we're, you know, preaching and whatever, how we, not just individual, we're saying, if we don't, if the teacher, the, the pastor doesn't give the whole counsel of God, he's not going to answer to people. He's going to answer to Jesus. It's not that, oh, well, you know, we shouldn't preach on certain things because some people might think something. What does Jesus think? 
And if we fail to say and preach the full counsel and teach the full counsel of God's word and people's lives are destroyed because of it, then there's going to be an answering to the chief shepherd. That, I don't know about you, but that's heavy. That puts everything in a different light. Like, because there's a lot going on in our day and age where it's like, uh, you know, we, we have changed the church into all kinds of things based on men's ideas and not based on the word of God because people think certain things. We don't want to touch on that because you might offend somebody. Well, people are going to be really offended when, they, when something goes wrong in their life because of a truth they didn't get, when their life is destroyed. They're going to be offended when they get, you know, well, in one sense, they're going to have the reality hit them in the face if they get to heaven and realize they were discounting truce because it wasn't politically correct or it didn't feel good. Well, you know, there's a lot of things. I just saw a post, you know, and it's been around for a while. just talking about, you know, life is hard. Choose your heart. You see, you know what I'm, you know what I'm talking about? You know, eating right and being fit is hard, but you know, having weight problems or having health issues because of, of eating is hard. Which one do you want? You know, managing your finances is hard, but just not managing them is hard. Which one do you want? Well, sometimes it's hard to hear certain things from the Word, but do you not want to hear it and hit a wall? Which one do we want? It's not always easy. And what we're talking about this morning... There's an element of correction. And we're not talking about... See, you've got to take all this in context. We just read over in 1 Peter. It's saying, not as a dictator, not as a lord. So people go in the ditch on stuff. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about controlling people or telling them what to do. We're talking about the supernatural ministry of God. So when it's talking about these things, it's talking about in context of all these other scriptures. You can't take a scripture out of context and, and just harp on it. Any truth that's taken in isolation to the extreme will become error. You've got to use the whole counsel of the Word of God. But there is an element of correction that can happen through the pastoral office. And again, sometimes it's face-to-face. Sometimes it's just from the pulpit. You know, pastor doesn't even know what he's saying. And the Word of God is just hitting us and we're like, yeah, I need to, yep, mm-hmm, need to change that. And we have a, then we have a choice, right? You know, by definition, if you're being corrected, you're wrong. Does anybody like to be wrong? No. We don't, right? You don't want to, you don't want to be wrong. So if you're being corrected, if you don't want to be wrong, if, if something's correcting you, that means you were wrong, which by definition is uncomfortable. But that uncomfortable doesn't mean bad. We ought to be corrected in church at some degree, at some point. If we go through our whole adult lives in church never feeling the correction of God, we're not talking about condemnation, okay? These are two different things. Can I just insert that? We're not talking about being beaten down and condemned. You know, people will say, you know, and then the treat people like, you know, preach like everybody is an idiot and just boom, 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 and you're stupid and you're never going to make it and God doesn't love you unless you do this. No, that's not God any more than that's a good parent or a good employer. You don't want to motivate people by making them feel like trash when they come into the office or when they come home, you know, come home from school and, you know, kids are just beaten down. No, but there is a correction. 
Just because there's people that have done it stupid doesn't do away with real. There is a way to do it, and God is our Father. And so He will correct us because He loves us. I mean, anybody want to stand up and say, I never have and never will need correction because I have it all together. I have arrived. Do, do anybody want to be so bold to say, I know I have it. I just, by, I don't need correction. Nobody is standing up. I'm glad. Because none of us, I mean, I need it. You need it. We need, that means if we say we don't need it, it means we are right about everything and don't have any room to grow. Really. Because there are people I respect that are much further than me, have been around a long, long time in the things of God, and say they know. In, in fact, the longer you're around, the more you know you don't know anything. You know a thimbleful, and that's probably being generous. Or me, or anybody. We understand. Oh, really? I was wrong about that? Surprise. Okay, thank you. Thank God that I'm seeing that now. That ought to be our reaction. So correction isn't a bad thing. And if it's not happening, then either we're not receiving it ever. We're not talking about, again, we're not talking about condemnation. We're not talking about feeling guilty all the time. If we're feeling guilty, that's another thing. We need to deal with that based on the Bible. Know that we are right with God based on what Jesus has done. And he loves us and he's on our side. And he has a good plans for us and supports us. That doesn't mean that everything we're doing and ever will do will be right and we don't have any room to grow. We're not, even just, we're not talking about just sin. Of course, sin and violating your conscience would fall into that category. But apart from that, just developing as a Christian and in different roles as a mom, as a pastor, you know, as a business leader, as an engineer, as a teacher, as a dad, whatever, as a, as a, a student or a, a child or a, a, a youth, you, we have room to grow. So we're going to have correction, just like you would in any, I mean, if you've ever taken music lessons or played a sport. I mean, when I would go to, to music class, I mean, I remember, I, so I, I took, uh, you know, piano lessons starting in the first grade and took lessons for years and then, you know, stopped taking lessons when I was in ninth grade because my mom said, so she, she, when she grew up, she um, played the piano, but her she threw a fit every time. You know, eventually didn't want to didn't want to play, so her mom let her quit, and she always regretted that. She didn't feel like she got to the point that she really wanted to. So when we were taking music lessons, she said, "You you got to keep taking it till you're in ninth grade, till you're freshman," because in the way she looked at it, that was far enough that it, enough had stuck that you would be able to move on if you wanted it. It would have put something in. So when we started, she was like, you're going you're gonna to keep going. Well, I didn't always want to play. I was playing a lot of classical music. Well, when I got into middle school, I didn't want to play classical music. I wanted to play pop music. I wanted to play something somebody knew. Not that we couldn't integrate some of that on the side with, with our program, but I was playing that you know, class. I didn't want to necessarily go to, to lessons. I didn't want to practice. And guess what? I quit when I was in ninth grade, taking lessons. But I had enough that I kept going and then I started playing music I wanted to play and started doing things in high school and then in college and then I took I was like I want to develop further 
And so I found this teacher. I was going to school in Lincoln, Nebraska, which is about 50 minutes an hour from Omaha, Nebraska, which is where I was from. But I was going to school in Lincoln and then working as an intern there. And so I found this, this teacher that was well-versed in all types of things, um, just amazing teacher, an amazing musician. Um, and I wanted to learn some things about jazz and chord progressions and things like that. You know, and so I, I contacted him, and he sat me down, and sh- what do you know? And he had two baby grand Yamahas in his studio, one for the student, one for the teacher. Next, Awesome. Those are awesome pianos. And so he, you know, I'm showing him stuff, and he's like, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. All right, I'll take you as a student. And I'm telling you, this guy was not mamby-pamby. He was not, he, he was not rough, but he was not, he was, you know, he was pretty up in age at that point, had a lot of experience, and he didn't have any want for students. So I, he, he, he started me along a, a path, and he showed me some of the pieces, this, this jazz stuff, and it's like, boom, boom, bah, boom, 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 you know, and it's just like, this one thing that he showed me, I was like, how in the world will I ever play that? That is so fast. And he said, this is the way we do it. And he, you know, it was like at 120 beats per minute, and he put it down to like 50, which is super slow. And it's just like, but you can't even hear the melody. And we're going to do that. And you count it out, and you do it slowly, and you do it, and then you up it, and then you up it, and then you up it. And pretty soon after that time, I would practice two hours a day while I was going to school in the summer and while I was going to school and then drive an hour to that practice practice or have the lesson for an hour and come back. And I would progress in these things. But when I would come, he would just be flat. You're doing that wrong. Don't do that. No, that's the, you do it like this. And I, you know, I remember him talking about, you know, the way you're holding your fingers. No, you don't do it like, you got to do it like this. No, do it again. Well, what is that? It's correction. So why am I going to him as a student? If he's not going to tell me stuff that I can't do and that I'm doing wrong, what, what am I doing? Why am I paying him money? And it wasn't cheap. Why am I listening to him? And he was a little bit salty at times. He was not, he was just, look, this is where you want to be. You're going to do these scales this way. It wasn't mean. He's just matter of fact. If I already knew everything, why do I go? If we already know everything that God's got got for us, then what are we doing if we can't take any correction to get there? He might show you something that is like that jazz piece. And you're going, I don't even know how I'd ever do that. And he said, this is the way we're going to do it. Do this next thing. And you start doing it. Correct this. You start going a little bit further. You're doing that wrong. Do this, son. That's not like, you're doing it wrong. You're so stupid. No, it's like, do it this way. Why? What's the goal? He's going to get you here. He's going to get you to do the thing in your... Sometimes we think we have a vision of what God wants us to do. And we say, no way. That I don't know how I get there. God does. But how, if we don't know how to get there, by definition, we need correction to get there. We need to grow. Well, how do you grow? Through changing things. What does that mean? If you change, you corrected something. See, it's not that bad when we look at it like that. It's not, 
I mean, some, we've maybe had experiences in our life or, or certain things in our upbringing or experiences at school or with people where maybe it wasn't the best type of correction. And so we associate God with that, but that's not God. Now, if he needs to be stern with you, with his relationship with you, because you did something you knew you shouldn't do, he's not beyond that. The Bible clearly says that he'll tell you. He's not going to let you destroy yourself. Did you hear me? That's not, that's not love. Even, even as much as it is with an earthly mother or father. You don't just tell your kids, oh, well, you're hitting for a wall. Well, it's okay, though. I love you. And watch them destroy themselves. That's not love. Well, I don't want to hurt their feelings. Their feelings are going to get hurt when they hit the brick wall. It could be a lot more than their feelings. Well, God's the same way. There's a good way to do it. I mean, and he'll help us. So let's look at this. Let's just read this, this scripture before we go on. Hebrews 13, 17, what we were just reading, just recap and look at it in light of what we just said. It says, For they are keeping watch over your souls and continually guarding your spiritual welfare as those will, who will give an account of their stewardship. What does that mean? It means you're responsible for what you put in and how you do your role because the people that are entrusted to you, have a plan and a purpose for their lives. And you're going to be part of imparting into them. And God's going to flow through that in some way to get to them what they need to help them on their plan. So you're going to give an account for how that goes. So not just for your own, for other people. It doesn't mean we're responsible for everybody's lives. We're responsible to do what we're supposed to do in relation to somebody else's. Everybody's going to stand before the Lord Jesus and give an account for what they did with what they had. But if somebody that was entrusted to, that, or they were entrusted to, didn't give them something they were supposed to give them and it hindered them in their uh, walk, then the person that didn't give it to them is going to be held accountable. You know, guys, this is real. This isn't, we have a relationship with the Lord Jesus and we're righteous in him. Then we have a, what we do on this earth and there the Bible clearly talks about that we're going to give account for what we did there. You're not going to hell. That's not going to, it's not buying you any favor with God as far as kingdom things that he's purchased, but he also gave us jobs to do. Do we want to do those well? Do we want to do them right? Do we want to be in the right place? Yes, and, and it's there, the Bible clearly says there's going to be rewards. And this is what's important. So our attitude when we talk about this, because people don't like to talk about this. A lot of people don't talk about it. You know, come to church and it's like everything's just pat on the back. Well, thank God, but if I'm about to blow myself up, then I want to know not to do that. And forget that, that's, that's one side of it. If I can do what I have been given to do better for the Lord Jesus and it takes me changing something, then I want to do it. Because I want to be the best that I can be through Him in His power, in His strength. But if i got to change something so I can do that better, then, sir, tell me what to do. And thank you. Oh, it maybe doesn't feel good. But if the result is that I do my work for the Lord Jesus better and I get his kingdom further and I, I'm used to do that, it is worth it. Yeah. So that ought to be our attitude. So when we're looking at this, we're going to be, hey, I want to know. 2 Timothy 4 verse 1. <clears throat> It says, I charge you, therefore, this is the Apostle Paul, 
This is shortly before he's done with his race. Second Timothy is one of this is the last book he wrote, we think, as far as when he's just he's he's winding things up and he's talking to a young pastor Timothy. He says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke exhort with all long suffering and teaching verse 3 for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine but according to their own desires they because they have itching ears will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables there's a lot here notice <clears throat> Let's talk about verse 3, and we'll go back. He says, preach the word, and he says some things in that verse, which we'll come back to. Convince, rebuke, exhort, long suffering with long-suffering teaching. But verse 3, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Doctrine is teaching. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. What does that mean? People will listen to people that are telling them what they want to hear instead of what is true. Because they want to hear it. I want it this way. I want to hear, no, I'm doing everything right and I always will. And it doesn't matter what I do, I'm good. Well, okay, is it true that you're accepted in the Lord Jesus and he loved? Yes. Does that mean everything that you're doing from top to bottom, not talking about sins included, but not even talking about that, you are doing it the pinnacle of human perfection for what God has called you to do and nothing can change? No. So if we think, no, if we hear the message, I'm just great, and I'm going to make it, and I can just do everything, and that's all we ever hear, that means we're good where we are, and we won't change. And if we don't change, we can't get better. But it's not easy to change. It's not easy to hear. You're doing it wrong, but do it this way. We can get stuck on your, you're, you're, not, you're not doing it right, but here's a better way. And instead of going on and saying, all right, well, I'm not doing that. Well, I'm doing it this way, and, and embracing it. We can get stuck on the other thing, and if people get stuck on the first thing long enough, I don't want to hear it. See, Satan will help you. Well, you don't want to hear that. That's, that's wrong. Why, it's so hard. What, what, what's he trying to do? If you're going to be more effective with the change, he'll try to get you to not change. Get you offended. Well, I don't want to hear this. I'm going somewhere where they just tell me I'm, I'm good. What does that mean? I want to stay right where I'm at. I, don't want to, I want to go just tell me I'm doing a good job. Now, we're going to see this. Exhortation is part of it. We need to be encouraged. Nobody wants to go around and get beat up. But the gospel doesn't tell us we're getting beat up. But it also doesn't tell us we're just to do, go do, change anything either. We're just to stay the same. There's a balance. So this is talking about people that will just go to where they hear what they want to hear. Verse 4 says, and they will turn their ears away from the truth. And be turned aside to fables. What's a fable? It's just a made-up story. It's not true. If you turn aside from the truth, what are you turning to? If something's true and you go away from what's true, where are you? By definition, it's not true. It doesn't matter what it, what it is, right? If you turn away from what's true, what if the truth is, I need to change something to go on with the plan of God? What if we decide, I don't want to hear that, but it's true. And we decide, I don't want to hear that. I turn away from something. What, what did I just do? 
I just turned away from what's true. I want to hear I'm good. But what if that's not true? We're talking about coming up in some area. We're not talking about relationship with God and that you're righteous. No, see, don't, don't mix those two. What if, I, what if I just want to hear? No, I don't want to hear that I have changed. I just want to hear I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. I'm going to be like this for the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years. What if that's not true? Then I, by definition, am believing a lie. And if I believe a lie, who's the father of lies? So what am I listening to? And what's that doing to my life? If the thing that's going to bring me to the next step is truth and I turn away from it to a lie, I am playing right into what Satan wants for me to defeat me or to keep me neutral for the kingdom of God. And that's what happens. So back up, if I hear something that challenges me, and we all ought to be challenged from time to time. We ought to come up. We ought to be like, again, not feeling all the time. I just can't do anything right. No, we're going. We're doing well. And the Lord tells us, you know, like Jesus said to the, the young man, what, you know, he came and said, I've, I've kept all, my, all the commandments from a youth. And he said, one, one thing you lack. <laughs> I'm sure that's not the only thing that was lacking. But Jesus said this thing. And that's what he'll do with you. He was He's not going to flatten you with everything, or me, with everything that we need to change at once. Thank God. Right? He does it little by little, just like when I was taking piano lessons. You know, I didn't go from 50 beats per second to 90 to 120 like that. No, I went from 50 to whatever the next thing. I I don't even think 50 was on the metronome. Whatever. I had the metronome that clicks that you couldn't just go up in one segment. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you don't. doesn't matter. But 50, I, if to go up to the next thing, maybe it was 53 or something. Feels like it didn't even change. Yeah. Go up to the next one. God, God will give you something to do. And it may be difficult, but it may be not as bad as you thought when you get to the other side. He doesn't just flatten you. If you hear condemnation all the time, that's not God. What? what he's going to discourage you from doing his work? That's not him. That's just not him. That's not how he operates. He's not stupid. So no, he's going to bring you up to the next level. But he's, he's not going to just, he's going to bring you up one step at a time. He's not going to try to just fast track you there. And fast, in, in, um, when you try to fast track stuff, oftentimes you mess up. So let's look back at verse 2. It says, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince rebuke, exhort, talking to a young pastor, with all long-suffering and teaching. In the Amplified, it says this. It says, preach the word as an official messenger. Be ready when the time is right and even when it is not. Keep your sense of urgency, whether the opportunity seems favorable or unfavorable, whether convenient or inconvenient, whether welcome or unwelcome. Correct those who err in doctrine and behavior. Warn those who sin. Exhort and encourage those who are growing towards spiritual maturity with inexhaustible patience and faithful teaching. So it said, correct, warn, or it says rebuke in the other way, and encourage or exhort. So that is part of it. Notice the part that it says correct. 
Well, it talks, it's talking to a pastor, but a lot of that is supernatural. We'll talk about that in a minute. A lot of it just comes through the Word. Like the Word going forth, number one thing the pastor is called to do is, is feed. Shepherd, feed, and help guide. Feed the Word and put in the structure that allows, if we go to the, where we're supposed to be hooked up, then the structure, what is there, the place, is going to be there for us to fulfill the plan of God for our life during that time period. Might not be for all time. I've talked to you about that before. I've, I've served in different churches over my lifetime. I was in, in Lincoln, Nebraska for a number of years, and we went to Rainbow Bible Tra- uh, Training Center. Then I was here, Bible Church. So for that segment of time, every, if you go and be led by God, you're going to have everything you need to get fed, everything you need to be guided as far as that segment I'm talking about. Your, not, that's not the end-all be-all for your whole life, but as far as the church part, that will facilitate you moving on and growing. Well, then a lot of the, what the correction, the teaching comes through the Word or comes through something else, the people you're around. Like when you're serving and you rub shoulders with somebody and sparks fly, and you're tempted to get out of love, you may need to grow. And you're there, and you're, you're coming up, or, you know, the Spirit prompts you in some direction. You need to tweak this, or you see something, a better way to do it. There's a lot of things that, it, it, it's correction, but it comes in different forms. But a lot of it is just supernatural. It's not like always a sit down, okay, now you're doing this. No, a lot of it doesn't happen like that. It just happens with you being, you know. At a high level, Pastor Hagen, Pastor Kenneth W. Hagen, the you know the head of Rama right now at Winter Bible Seminar, which is a a week meeting that happens in February. They call it homecoming. So Rama graduates, graduates from that. That's a school we went to. That's the school our children are going to. Um, they. They have a, they have homecoming. They, there's there's um, messages in the morning, and the you know two messages in the morning by various speakers. Then Mrs. Hagen, his wife, will will preach uh, on prayer, teach on prayer in the morning, and then Pastor Hagen is most of the time at night. Like maybe Craig or somebody will preach during the week, but during that time he'll address things that need to be addressed from that level to the Rama family. And just as a pastor, as the leader of that worldwide ministry, if there's something going on in the body of Christ that he needs to touch on, he, he will do it. Then he has no problem doing it. There's been times where there were certain things going on, and I was looking at, you know, I wonder about this and that, and it was addressed there. And he said this and that through Scripture. We're not following just a person. But as that position, he's using the Bible and using and say, and from experience and what he's seen, this has come around. This came around 40 years ago. And here it is again. And this is just what it looks like. Looks different, but this is wrong. People are saying this. It's not scriptural. And he'll do that. Well, the same happens at a local level. There's stuff out there that happens. We talked about this in protection last week. But there's also stuff then in our lives, things that are are taught or they come that we're like, "Mm, yep, I see that. I need to change. I need to tweak. And it just happens. And nobody needs to know. You know, if something comes to the pulpit and it applies to you, just just keep looking forward and amening. And nobody has to know that, yep, need to change that. Amen, brother. (laughs) We don't have to have an altar call. God's not in the, 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 the business of humiliating the people that are faithful to him. 
He doesn't do that. You know, if you get in a position where you're just going to, you get to the place where you're so out of whack and you're going to humiliate yourself, that's one thing. But don't, if you're not that person, we have a heart after God and we're going after him. Don't think he's looking for a potential, a place to humiliate you. He's not that way. He's not a jerk. He's not going to destroy somebody's ability to serve them. They're doing their best and then, oh, they're going to call it out because they just did one little thing. No, nobody likes it. He's not a nitpicker. The Bible says he looks on the heart. David didn't do anything, everything right. He messed up really, really, really big. And nobody's condoning that. But God looked on his heart and he corrected him. <laughs> David was corrected. That's a whole other thing. Don't say God won't correct you. God will absolutely correct you, but he's, he's, he's tasteful and he's a gentleman about it. Yeah, there are cases where people just go, they, they're so far out that they can't hear anything but the hard. Just don't be one of those people. You don't have to worry about it. Just stay with a heart tender toward him and he'll just keep tweaking you and keep bringing you up and keep bringing you up and you keep shining brighter and brighter for his glory and you just, you have a heart to serve him and he, he's going to be faithful to help you grow. He's good that way. Let's read a couple more. Um, 2 Timothy 4, 2 in the CEB, it says, Preach the word. Be ready to do it when it is convenient or inconvenient. Correct, confront, encourage with patience and instruction. Those are all things. Look at uh, Titus 2.15. Another place. This is Titus is another young pastor. Speak these things, exhort Speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one despise you. What does rebuke mean? It means to correct hard. It's the Bible. This is, in other words, these things are in the Bible. They're not, they're not just some idea, and they're not something that we should skirt. We should know that God is good to us, and the way he's going to do things are in line with the rest of his word, and be open to the way he works. Let's look at 1 Titus 10. Now, let's just, um, now we'll read this and then we'll go on just a couple more. First, uh, Titus 1 verse 10 says, For there are many insubordinate, both idle talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole households, teaching these things which they ought not for the sake of dishonest gain. One of them, a prophet of their own, said, Credence are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men who turn from the truth. He's saying, he's given an example to certain people. He said, yeah, they're off. They're doing stuff wrong. Now here's an example of somebody that's really off in the weeds, doing stuff wrong. We don't need to be those people. But look, it doesn't say, oh, it's fine. It, it says, rebuke them sharply. Why would they have to be rebuked sharp? Because they're not listening to all the other promptings. I guarantee you, there's more there. God doesn't just jump to rebuke sharply. Do you, do you know God does everything in love? Jesus did everything in love. He was just as much walking in love with the, person, with the woman that was caught in the act of adultery and as soft as he talked to her, it is, he was walking in love with her, but he was also walking in love with the Pharisees when he says, you are whitewashed tombs. Do you know that? 
The thing is, they would only listen to that and they still didn't listen. He had to amp it up because they wouldn't listen to anything else. Just, we don't want to be the person that he's got to bring that. Just be soft and tender. You won't hear this, but look it. It's not precluded from what the God does. It's not like, well, no, everybody's good. No, he's saying, rebuke them sharply. Why? Just to get on their case? No. That they may be sound in the faith. See, he's saying they need to come back over here. They need to be sound, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men who turn from the truth. In other words, they are deceived. They're, le- they're believing something that's a lie. They need something to jolt them out and get back to them because ultimately I want them sound in the faith and then what? They're going to progress. Praise God. Let's read this in closing. 2 Timothy 3.16, I just want you to see the same thing, and this, this goes along with a lot of what we've said. It says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Why? It's talking about Scripture. That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. See, most of the time, a lot of time, it's just going to come through the Word. It's going to come through the preaching of the Word. It's going to come through hearing things that are about the Word. But notice, the Word of God is not just for, of course, for encouraging us, but it's for teaching or doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that we may be complete and equipped. And so a lot of times that's what's going on in the background with the word and that's what's going on in ministry so that we can run a race, so that we can be sharp, so that we can, if, if, if there's something that we need to get off, you know, if we're going into, and we're going to be going into something that's a lot of pressure, then, and we're, we're walking in the plan of God, but up ahead, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be more intense then when we're walking, we want God to say, you know what, change that. You know what, change that. Because we don't want to get in the heat and the pressure and having things that we could have gotten off before and then we're dealing with them in the middle of pressure. No, God will say, change that. We might say, why? What for? I don't see anything because you need to come up here. Okay. If we'll just say, okay, then we took a step. And then if we do it again, we take another step. And so when something, when we get to that place where God has for us, and we start to see things come to pass, we realize, oh, that's what he's been doing for the last 5, 10, 15, 20 years. He's been bringing me. And you look back and say, there is no way I could play at this speed back then. But right now, it's just another step. And thank God you got me here. And oh, it wasn't, it wasn't, it didn't feel good all the time. It wasn't pleasant all the time. But thank you, Lord, I'm so thankful I listened to you and walked with you and you were so gracious and so kind to bring me up. And now I'm able to walk in that thing that I saw years ago, but I'm able to see it and it doesn't seem so impossible. It seems like it's the next step. Lord, I'm so thankful and you get all the glory because if it wasn't for you, I know I wouldn't be here. It was your help. It was your encouragement. It was your correction. And Lord, I give you all the glory. Amen. Amen. And then he gets it all, which is always the case. He is Lord. 